So welcome to the Vibe family, and uh, uh, we had a great time meeting this morning. But um, man, what a, what a great day, right? Just an opportunity to, to be in God's presence and to experience Him. And we're going through this series called uh, This Is Us, and just talking about who we are as a church. And uh, last two weeks, the first week we talked about the importance of relationships and how we belong. And how spiritual growth happens through those relationships and our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. And, uh, and then we talked last week about, about our core value of growing, growing spiritually. And uh, what, does, what does that look like? And what are some of the false measuring devices or measuring tools that we use uh, to measure spiritual growth? And what are, the, what are the more accurate ways of measuring spiritual growth? And, and so... Today we're going to kind of continue that same thought because really kind of streaming through the whole, all of our core values is this idea of spiritual growth and how do we grow spiritually. And I believe the next three weeks are key elements to our spiritual development. That If you're going to grow spiritually, you need to engage in these three areas. It's not optional. I don't think we can say, well, you know, I don't need that one. And they're, because... These three things address three different things that are broken in our heart. There are enemies of our heart that we have. There are things that, that are working against us that uh, if, it, it's very hard to detect those things. It's like a disease that resides inside of our hearts that, that we don't have the, the most accurate way of detecting whether or not we have this heart disease. And so we want to talk about those three things over the next three weeks and, uh, and, and, and just kind of dig in deep. And, and I want to encourage you to engage these things in your life, okay? Engage in these, these, these different things. Um, you know, we all have a, an eye for a certain thing, right? We all have the, the ability to see something. Maybe it's a, uh, you can look at a piece of property and it's just uh, got trees on it or whatever and you can just envision a home. You know, maybe, maybe you can... Walk into a house and you can envision, uh, you know, what it would look like decorated. Maybe uh, you have an eye for a graphics and, you know, you can do that kind of stuff. Or, you know, like Robin has an eye for dollar stores, dollar generals. She can see those things. She, yeah, so several of y'all have, like, I mean, she has like this super sense. Like, there's one. I don't know how you saw that. Um, but I used to, it's been a while, but I used to used to have a, a, a friend that, that uh, I still, he still is my friend, but. We used to go flounder gigging. Anybody ever been flounder gigging? One person. Flounder gigging. It is his coolest thing. Uh, it's like this, like this pitchfork looking thing. It uh, has prongs on it. And it's long. And you, you go along. And you shine the light in the water. And you know what a flounder is, right? Flounder is a fish. It's flat. And it, it actually is like a chameleon. It takes on the... the, the um, the color, the shapes, all of, of, the, of where it's laying, it's really hard to see. And I remember first time we went flounder gigging, my, my buddy, he's like, right there, there's one right there. I'm like, what, where, where? It's like, I see dirt. And he's like, right there. And I'm like, I don't see it. And so he takes the thing and gigs it, and it's like, there's, the, there's this huge flounder. I'm like, what the world? You know, it looked like a pile of dirt. And uh, after a while, it's like something happens, and you just all of a sudden... You start to see. It's like those, those uh, posters, you know, you've seen. You look at them, and inside of it is like something 3D. Have you ever looked at those? You know? But we all have an eye. I'm an old guy. They don't do that anymore. 
We all have an eye for certain things, right? Maybe, maybe photography, details. Somebody have an eye for details? An eye for beauty, talent, uh, artwork, design, whatever. Maybe an eye for a good deal, right? It was on sale. That's why I bought three of them. Um, but, the, you know, how I see something determines its value and its worth. And uh, they say that, the, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I think also value and worth are also in the eye of the beholder. Uh, when we were building our house, <coughs> excuse me, in Chapin, after we built it, and we were, we were uh, about to sell it, this was two years ago, actually, and um, we decided we better get an appraisal, you know, because we have no idea what this house is worth. So how, do you, how much do you list it for? And, and so the appraiser came out. We paid the appraiser to, to give us an assessment or an idea of what this value of this house was. And, and I remember after uh, looking at the, the appraisal, they had on the appraisal screened porches, uh, $25,000. Well, I built those screened porches, and I, I, I built them huge. I mean, like, go big or go home, Right. We had 1,900 square foot of screen porch on that house. That's insane. I know. It's a little overboard. I'm just being honest. I'm just confessing it. But it was, if you've ever been on that screen porch, it was like, oh, you could live out there. 1,900 square foot of screen porch. And they valued the screen porches at $25,000, which was like $13,000 or $13 a square foot. It was ridiculous. It was crazy. I was like, no way. You have no idea what it took for me to build these things and what money's invested in it. It was ridiculous. But value is in the eye of the beholder, right? The worth of something is in the eye of the beholder. And um, I want to show you a picture of, um, hopefully it's up there. No, there it is. Now, some of you wonder, like, what toddler drew that? You might be able to tell what it is. It's a woman, right? Anybody confused? I can understand. But it's a woman. And you think, wow, that, that thing, that's like, you know, maybe a first grade project that they had, you know. This is actually a really famous portrait. Does anybody know what this is? Anybody? Oh, Phil. It's a what? A what? No. Close. No. Close. No. I'm not into art, but I just, I just thought this was interesting. But anyway, uh, this is a really famous uh, art piece of artwork called Woman 3. Okay? There's, it's in a series of photos, or f- series of, of uh, artwork by uh, Willem D. Koenig is the, is the artist's name. He passed away uh, several years ago. But that piece of art, if that's what you want to call it, Sold in 2006 for $137.5 million. Can you believe that? I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and value is too, because that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given $137 for that thing. Sometimes I don't understand the true value of things, right? And sometimes not only the true value of things, but sometimes I don't understand the true value of people. We talked about that the first week, the importance of valuing people and valuing relationships and and I think we all get it wrong at times we all get the the valuation of of um, people and things wrong and and one of the things that I used to get wrong for a long time was the value of money I got it wrong 
and it got me into trouble. Now, I don't mean the de- denominations. I, didn't, you know, I wasn't confused that a dollar wasn't a dollar, and a, but it, it's, it's the actual value of it. And, and because you don't, if, if you don't understand the value of money, if you don't understand the purpose of money, uh, you can get into a lot of trouble. It's, it's normal in our culture, in our culture, to see money as something that brings security, hope, power, what we need to, to, to get the stuff that we want to get, right? It's the leverage that we use to get stuff. Um, we can, it's sometimes, in our culture, it's easy for us to see uh, that money is the goal of a, a week of hard work, right? That's what we work for. Uh, or it makes the world go round. I don't know if you've ever said that before. And uh, I know some people get uncomfortable when, when uh, pastors start talking about money. They start to hold their wallet, close their purse. Get, don't worry. Don't, don't have to worry about that. It's important that we talk about this. Jesus talked a lot about money. A lot. He talked a lot about money and possessions. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about money and possessions more than any other subject. I'm not making that up. It's true. Talked about money and possessions more than any other subject. And the Bible has more to say about money and possessions than it does about prayer. Prayer is important. But it talks about money and possessions more than prayer. Why? Why do you think the Bible talks so much about money? Why do you think Jesus talked about money and possessions? It wasn't because he's trying to get your money. God doesn't need your money. That's not the thing. It's because he understood something very important. It's something we need to understand. If we're going to grow spiritually, we need to understand what we're going to talk about today. See, God knows the power of money and stuff in our lives. He knows the influence of money and stuff in our lives. And he knows what it can do to our hearts if unchecked. And so we have to understand it. We have to to look at it and, and realize the value, the true value of it. See, how I view money and things is going to determine how it affects my heart. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. The love of money, some people like to misquote this. They say money's the root of all evil. No, it's not money. It's the love of money, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So God understands, he knows the power that it has in our, and can have in our lives, what effect it will have on our lives if we're not careful. And uh, just like in the words of the, the famous prophet 38 special, Hold on loosely, but don't let go, right? You have to understand the value of money, and you have to understand how to hold on to it. How tightly do you hold on to money and possessions, to stuff? Now, it's easy for us, like when we, when we talk about something like this, it's easy for us to immediately start to compare ourselves with other people. We say, we think about, you know, do I have a lot of money? Do I have a lot of stuff? Well, compared to this person, no, I don't have. And so we, we play this comparison game. And so if we're going to compare, if we're going to play that game, then let's play it fairly. Let's take all of the population of the world, right? Is that fair? Let's take the whole population of the world and let's compare ourselves with 
where the whole of the population of the world is at. We are at the top 1%. Now, some of you are like, no, I'm not. Yeah, do a little research. We are rich. We're rich. God has blessed us, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a curse. He's blessed us. But what do we do with this blessing? we got to understand the value of what it is that we have. If not, if not, then our stuff will have us. And this is exactly what God wants to help us to avoid, is our stuff having us. See, we've been taught all our lives to monitor our behavior, right? Watch out. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Watch but we haven't been taught to monitor our hearts. You've heard me say this before. I think it's so important. We have to monitor our hearts. What's going on inside of our hearts? When's the last time you asked your kids, hey, what's happening in your heart? Because we tend, we tend to think if they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing on the outside, they're okay. Please, that is not, that's not safe. Monitor their hearts. Monitor your own heart. What's going on inside of your heart? It's easy to just like, oh, hey, here, here's what's happening on the outside. Here's, you know, just to pr- present, you know, my best up front. But what's going on inside of my heart? Why, why did I do that? Why did I just feel that way? Why did I respond in that way? That's monitoring your heart. And so we, we, we're not taught that, but we need to be taught that. And that's, that's one of my goals. I want to teach you to monitor your heart. So what does money have to do with my heart? It's not even close to my heart. It's like back here, right? It's what's money have to do with my heart? There's this sinister disease that, that lurks in every human heart. And um, that sinister disease is greed. Now, I've never met anybody who, who has looked me in the eye and admitted, yeah, I'm greedy. You know, I've never met anyone like that. Um, but the fact is... We all struggle with this. We, we all have this sinister disease residing in our hearts. We just don't realize it, right? Another satisfied customer. <laughs> How could you leave him? I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just guilty. Uh, but listen, when it, back to greed. All right. Greed isn't a financial issue. It's an issue of the heart. It's something that is almost impossible to detect because it's not a feeling. Because I'll bet you never felt a greedy, you know, feeling. Or maybe you have, but you wouldn't confess it, right? I think we all maybe. But it's not a feeling. It's a refusal to act. And so it's an issue of the heart. It's something that resides inside of us. And... um, Greed is, is this, here's the, uh, a definition that I've got. Greed is the assumption that what I have is for my consumption. Greed is the assumption that what I have is for my consumption. It's that thought that we have, that we get, that if, if I get, you know, two pieces of pizza, I think they're both for me. It's, if I get $200, I think it's, all for me. If I get whatever it is, it's the assumption that what I have is for my consumption. That, well, I got it. I, I, you know, they gave it to me, so it's mine, right? And it resides in our heart. 
It's ugly, and to talk about it, to even admit it, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, man, it's embarrassing. That's why no one wants to say, yeah, I'm greedy. But the reality is, it's there. So what do we do with it? We have to address it. And that's why Jesus talks so much about money and possessions. That's why the Word of God talks about money and possessions so much, is to help us to understand, help us to be good stewards, to be good managers, to make sure that our stuff Never has us, but we have it. So uh, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough heart disease that's hard to diagnose. Um, and one of the reasons it's so hard to diagnose or, or to, to, to detect inside of our hearts is because it often disguises itself by hiding behind virtues. Things like Saving, not that saving is bad, but it can hide behind that. It's, it's hiding behind a virtue. I'm a saver. I'm not, I'm, you know, not going to be generous. I'm not going to give because I'm saving or, or I'm planning. You know, I'm, I'm financial security. All of those are good things. They're not bad. They're good virtues. And sometimes greed, I'm not saying if you have those, you should have, you should have those virtues. But greed can hide behind those things if we're not careful. It's very hard to identify in ourselves, but it's really easy to identify in other people, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, that person's greedy. They had two pieces of pizza, and I didn't get any, you know. It's real easy to detect in others. We can identify it almost instantly, because here's what greedy people do. They talk a lot and worry a lot about money. They're not cheerful givers. They're reluctant to share. They're poor losers. They quibble over insignificant sums of money. You're already thinking of your sister-in-law. I'm just kidding. Or your brother-in-law. They talk as if they have just enough to get by. They won't let you forget what they've done for you. They're reluctant to express gratitude. And they're not content with what they have. So it's really easy to, to, you know, like you've got the list. Now you're like, oh, yeah, I know a lot of greedy people. But what about us? What about what's going on in our hearts? Because we're not talking about everybody else. It's easy to point the fingers. That's, we're not talking about them. We're talking about us this morning. Because we want to grow spiritually, right? We want to grow spiritually. See, maybe it's really hard for you to detect greed inside of your heart because you've never had a greedy thought in your life. And maybe... You know, when you see the pictures and you hear the stories, maybe you feel compassion every time you see a need. That doesn't mean that you're generous. See, generosity is, 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 is acting on that. It's doing. Greed is, is the assumption that what I have is for my consumption. It's, it's holding back. It's not a feeling. Greed isn't a feeling, but it's a refusal to act. It's not how I feel, it's what I do, right? Generous feelings and good intentions don't compensate for a greedy heart. We can have generous feelings. If I had a million dollars, I would do something for that person. If I had a, you know, this and that, I would do something. What can we do? Let me say this. At this point, 
because this is really important. And this is really a whole other message in itself, but I'm going to try to make it really brief, is that not every need needs my attention. Not every need needs my attention. As we talk about generosity, as we talk about greed, and we talk about giving, and we talk about all that stuff, it's real easy to think, you know, what pastor's just trying to get me to do is he's just trying to get me to just, you know, be willing to give to everyone. Not every need needs our attention. I believe we need, we need a really good teaching uh, on, it, it would be hard to do it in one message, you know, but it, we need a good teaching on how to discern the need, how to discern what I'm supposed to give to, right? Because if we're not careful, we can hear a message like we're, gonna, we're hearing today and we can, we can just go away from here thinking, next time I watch TV and I see those poor little dogs' faces, and they're going to get, I don't know what they're going to do, you know, what they're going to do with them dogs. If I don't send $17 a month, the dogs are all, in this world, are going to die, right? Or the polar bears, or the elephants. There's a new one, elephants. Have you seen the elephant commercial? It's like, sure, I'm going to save the elephants. Here's my 20 bucks a month. Not every need needs your attention. Not every elephant needs your $20, Right? So we, we, we've got to have discernment on what, is, what do we need to do, who do we need to give to. And honestly, sometimes, here's what I, I've learned through hard knocks of life, growing up with a brother with addictions, all of that stuff, is that sometimes, if you're not careful, you can enable people. And, and so we're real quick to, I want to feel better because I'm giving to this person, um, and sometimes we're enabling. But we just have to have discernment because sometimes the Lord does lay, lay it on our hearts to do something for somebody without giving them an interview, seeing if they're financially responsible and how'd you get in this position. You know, sometimes God just says, I want you to give them some money. And it's really not about them. It's about what, what he's doing in your heart. So you got to have discernment. Not every need needs your attention. And it's, it's not something where you can easily say, here are the people or here are the things you should give to. And here are the ones you shouldn't. It's not that simple. It's pretty difficult. It, you, it takes discernment. Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this. He says, watch out. <clears throat> Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So we're warned over and over, be careful, watch out, be on your guard. Watch out for greed, it resides in our hearts. Does it mean that because we have possessions that that, it just, that equals greed? No, it doesn't. Watch out. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But in our culture, which we're, we're blessed to be a part of... of a, this great nation, we're blessed to be here, um, blessed to be born here, but, but you know what, we, we have to understand why have we been blessed, why did God bless us and put us here, and you know, why weren't we born into a different situation, and we have to understand the purpose of that, because he's blessed us to be a blessing, and if we get that, we understand that it's powerful. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of things. But in our culture, I mean, we have a lot of things, don't we? Right? 
I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I just want you to think about it, and you can poke each other and, you know, have fun with it. But how many of you actually park your car in your garage? I said I don't want you to raise your hand. Because there's a lot of people that can't. How many of you have a storage unit storing your stuff? Not that that's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't consist in the abundance of things. And, man, we, we have just, from, from the time we're little, we're just, if we have the ability, which, you know, and I grew up in a family where we didn't have a whole lot. And uh, six kids. And I remember, you know, for Christmas, we would get a pair of jeans, pack of underwear, and one toy. Remember those days? One toy. Not a big toy, just a toy. And it wasn't, you know, because my parents were trying to teach us something of the value of things. It's just we didn't have the money. And, but it taught me some things. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we think that as we, as we get older and as we're parents and we have the ability, we're like, we're going to do our kids a favor and we're going to get them 20 pair of jeans a truckload of underwear, and all the toys that you could possibly manage to play with, you know. We go overboard, and we think that we're, you know, we're, we're helping them out. And so we're, we're, we have this abundance of things. You get the point, right? We have stuff. Stuff is not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. But if we're not careful, our stuff can have us. So our money and our, our things can become... One of four things to us. It can be a tool, a test, a trust, or a trap. Two years ago, and I hate to use, um, yeah, anyway, two years ago, we found ourselves in a really weird situation in life. We, uh, um, we just built this house that I was telling you about, and, um, but we were, we were, we were going to move. We're ready. My father-in-law's going to we sell the house. And, and so we're going to sell the house and we're going to move. Well, we found ourselves in a place we've never been before. And that was we sold everything that we, we had pretty much. You know, we, we kept a bed, um, a few things, because we didn't have any place to put it. We didn't want to store it. We didn't want to. And so we sold everything. It was a it was a emotional and spiritual journey in itself. Just that going through that. Some of you came over and helped us. Uh, we had a yard sale, multiple yard sales. You know, giving stuff away. It was a crazy time. Emotionally, it was it was it was difficult, very difficult. And uh, I remember uh, just almost every day, you know. Just Robin and I just processing through this, the emotion of it, and just a lot of crying going on because you're letting go of stuff that you know it's, it's very valuable, and you're like, I'm going to use that one day. I'm going to need that one day, and it's like you got to let go of it. And it was really a weird time of our lives. It's not something that I would have I said, hey, uh, let's do this. Let's just, go, let's just be crazy and sell everything. Uh, we would have never done that, you know. But here's what I learned in the process of being forced into a situation like that because we were moving into a, a fifth wheel, a camper. That was the, we were taking 5,000 square foot house and condensing it into like 300 square foot, you know, like way smaller than my back porch. And what do you do with all that stuff? And so we went through this emotional journey 
that was painful. It was difficult. It was, it was gut-wrenching. You don't realize how much your stuff brings a sense of security. You know, like, ah, you know, I like, I like my stuff. I have stuff. You know, you get the point. I still have stuff. And there's a sense of like, oh, yes, I have stuff. Like, I have a favorite chair. I have a chair. Now, there's like, I, I like my chair. You know, like, I, oh, just this, this is my stuff. And we don't realize how much our stuff, if we're not careful, can have us. And, the, and the, what I learned spiritually through that season was amazing. That doesn't mean that I won't ever have stuff, but it just it is a great reminder, though, that our stuff does not own us. We have to learn how to value our stuff accurately. We have to learn how to manage our stuff accurately because our stuff, our money, can be either a tool, a test, a trust, or a trap. I believe our stuff, our money, is a tool for blessing others because we're not taking it with us. Right? Think about that. It's a sad thought, kind of, you know. The stuff that you have, stuff that we acquire, nothing bad about it, but we're not taking it with us. And so we can use our stuff, we can use our resources to bless others, to fund ministry, missions, church planting, help people. It's a test. The test is will you put God first? Will you put God first? And it's a trust. God trusts us. He trusts us with stuff. If you have a lot of stuff, guess what? God's trusting you with that stuff. He's not saying, don't, and don't, hear, don't hear me say, because I'm not saying it. I'm not saying go sell it all. I'm saying God's trusting you with stuff. Now, let me give you that since two years ago, we've acquired some more stuff. Just being honest. Stuff is not evil. It's the stuff that it's the thing that resides in our hearts, the greed that if we're not careful. And so it can be a trust. He entrusts those things to us. What are you doing with it? Are you being a good steward? Are you being a good manager of the resources that God has given you? What does this have to do with spiritual maturity? What does this have to do with spiritual growth? Because it's addressing something in our hearts. Something that is very difficult for us to detect. Are we willing to put God first? Are we, are, are we putting Him first? And that's the, t- the test and the trust is, are we putting Him first? Or is there something else before Him? See, the way that I view and value Money and stuff determines whether it's a tool, a test, a trust, or a trap. Proverbs 22.9 is a really important verse of Scripture. It says, He who has generous eyes, or a generous eye, will be blessed. Now, if you read, I don't know what translation you have. You have to go back to the original Hebrew, the original language when you're, translating this passage of scripture because you if you go through different translations you get all these different 
wordings of it. But if you look at it, it's, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. What does that mean? He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Well, like I said before, not every need needs your attention. But we need to have eyes of generosity. We need to see life and see people through an eye of generosity. A generous eye gives us a view from God's perspective. Let's look at a passage of Scripture, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. He says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If you take that passage of Scripture and isolate it on its own, it's like, what is he talking about? Like what? You can kind of go all different directions if you want. But Jesus finishes his statement. He's talking about money. He's talking about things. And he prefaces his statement by saying, listen, if the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So he's talking about the eye. And then in verse 19, he finishes this thought. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's not done. Going down into verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's a King James word, mammon. What is mammon? Some translations say money. Some just say money and possessions. It's not just cold, hard cash. It's our stuff. Whether it comes in the form of cash Credit card, loans, you know, whatever, material things. But it's, you can't serve both God and stuff. Here's the heart of the issue that Jesus is getting to. And this is the reason why God talks about it and, and about money and possessions so much is that it becomes an, or an issue of worship. If we're not careful, our stuff can have us. It can have our Allegiance. It can have our heart. What am I saying? I know for some of you it's probably like, this is just totally radical. I'm just, I'm just trying to be real with you this morning. I really experienced this, and we really, we really felt this when, when we were going through that two years ago. I would have never said, yeah, my stuff has me. My stuff has my heart. I'm attached to my stuff. I wouldn't have said, you know, I'm a pastor. I wouldn't say that stuff, you know. I'm too spiritual for that. But going through it, I felt it. It's like, oh, when it was taken away, when it was being ripped away, I was like, oh, God, like part of my heart's going out the door with that person. I mean, that's my stuff. I had plans for that stuff. 
I'm not trying to, to, anyway, you get what I'm saying. Very subtly, if we're not careful, our stuff can win over the affection of our heart. It can become an issue where I've never bowed down and worshipped it, never sang to it, never did any of that. But, but, it, but it definitely there was like, oh. There's a sense of security that we get from our stuff. There's a sense of hope that we get, right? I mean, let's, can we be honest this morning? We're already being there. When, when you've got money in the bank, it doesn't have to be a ton, but when you've got some money in the bank, you've got a cushion, don't you feel a little more secure than if you've got zero in your balance? And if we're not careful, we can allow our security to migrate away from the Lord and trusting the Lord to trusting that number or whatever, whatever it is, our assets. It's real easy to have that migrate. What do we do? I'm, I, I, you know, I wish I could offer you a solution to your situation, but I'm saying it's a hard issue. If you're not feeling the tension, something's wrong. You should feel some tension. I feel it all the time. And just monitoring, monitoring your heart. God, does, does my stuff have me or do I have it? How's this working? Because in such a subtle way, our hope and our security and our happiness, because a lot of, lot of marital fights, a lot of arguments about money, right? All of that happiness, hope, security can migrate away from the Lord and migrate into our stuff. And that's a dangerous place to be. And then it becomes an issue of worship. What is our heart valuing above the Lord? I know that's getting pretty radical. But that's why Jesus talked about money and possessions so much. That's why the Bible you know, encourages us, it really commands us to be good stewards of the resources. God has blessed us. I don't believe we should take a vow of poverty that we should be poor. I'm saying, God, why have you blessed us? You've blessed us to be a blessing. How do we manage that? How do we manage the resources that you've given us? How do we deal with this migration that happens in our heart so easily? How do we keep that from happening? How do we, well, we've, we've got to monitor our hearts, right? I believe the reason, here's the reason we're talking about this this morning is because when we talk about giving, and that's on the wall, we're not just talking about giving, we're talking about generosity. We're talking about the heart of, of the matter is, is generosity. And I, I, I believe that I grow spiritually when I live generously. You can write that down. That's, that's worth writing down. I grow spiritually when I live generously. See, the, the solution or the remedy to, to the struggle that we have of the balance of, uh, does my stuff have me or do I have my stuff? Because since two years ago, in the last two years, I've acquired more stuff. But believe me, there's a constant monitoring does this stuff have me? I mean, how bent out of shape do we get when we get a scratch on our vehicle? Do we lose our cookies over it? You know what that means, lose your cookies? That might be something we say in our house. Do you lose your crap over it? 
Do you get man? It's stuff. You ain't taking it with you, right? I mean, I get it. We want to have something nice, but it's stuff. I grow spiritually when I live generously. See, when when we when we are in a season of our life and we need help, and the bottom line is zero, and there's a lot, you know, like it, time things are tough. Where do we go? We go to the Lord, don't we? God, I need your help. God, I'm struggling. God, I don't have this. I, God, I need this. God, I need I need a job. God, I need this. I need that. I, I've been there, been there, and probably will be back there. Just, but we go to the Lord when we are in trouble and we need something. What happens when we're experiencing blessing and we don't have need of stuff, money? What are we doing at that point? Do we ignore the Lord? Or do we acknowledge Him? What happens when something extra comes along? We all have those, those moments, right? Those times where we're just experiencing like this extra blessing. Like, wow, you know, got a rebate for this, got this, got a, you know, a bonus. Got, like, I didn't expect that. Just, it, what is, what happens do we think immediately, all right, I could get more stuff. All right, I can finally, you know, is, is our thoughts about what we can have, is it the assumption that what I have is for my consumption? Or is the first thought, hmm, God, what should I do with this? That's a, it's a radical thought. It's a, it's a very radical idea. I know, you know, what I'm sharing, very ra- but this is where I believe we should live. We should live in that realm of just, you know, God, what, what should I do? And maybe the Lord will say, I want you to bless so-and-so. Or I'm going to show you. Or maybe the Lord will say, hey, go ahead and get that TV that you wanted. You know, everybody's like, yeah, that's the Lord. Hello. Holla, right? I believe that giving is the way that God chooses to change what's broken inside of our hearts and develops in us a generosity and that generous eye. That the goal is for us to see people and to view life through eyes of generosity so that our our eye, our lamp is good that our whole body can be, that everything, when Jesus was talking about that in Matthew 6, that if, if we've got that right, then everything else is right. He wants us to see life through those eyes. Of It's not just about me consuming. It's not just about me getting what, what I want and what I need, and I'm going to get mine, and, I, and all that stuff. It's about, God, how can I, how can I help others? It's that generosity. And, and that's when I grow. I, I grow spiritually when I live generously. When I can see the world and I can see people through those eyes, something powerful happens. And I think it starts, when you look through Scripture, I believe it starts with putting God first in our finances. We see it at the very beginning in, in Genesis. 
some people will say, well, well, you know, tithing isn't, doesn't happen until the law, and we're not under the law. I'm not, you know, I, I understand all that. But you look in Genesis, it's the first fruits. Cain and Abel brought their first fruits. They understood God is first. And I believe that's where it starts for us. It's, that's where it starts for me. What fixes the problem, what helps me to monitor my heart is realizing that it all belongs to Him. So here's what I do. Is that one, first, I make giving a habit. And, in, and it's intentional habit. Is that the first thing I do Sunday mornings is that I look and I say, okay, here's what I need to, to tithe. And I, I give my tithe. I bring the tithe to the church. Belongs to the Lord. It's His. Tithe is 10%. And I honor Him with that. And what that does is it's a constant reminder it all belongs to Him. He just allows me to, to keep 90%. And with that 90%, we think, oh, well, but I only have 90%. Man, listen, with that 90%, there's way more accomplished than with the 100%. I've tried the other way. I've tried it. And I, I appreciate you guys cheering me on. I, I mean, that means you guys are givers. But there's some people who are really uncomfortable. Please don't be uncomfortable. This is just being honest with you. If I, if I wasn't pastoring this church, I'd still be talking like this. Right, Kevin? This is, we believe this stuff because it works. God blesses us. And you think, oh, man, I'm giving up 10%. But God says, you know what? I can trust him. I can trust her. I know that if I bless them, they're not going to get caught up in this thing. They're not going to get consumed by it. I'm going I'm to trust them with even more. And he does. So for me, I make giving a habit. I believe that's scriptural. I believe that's, that's what we should do, that we bring the first fruits. We bring the tithe, and we honor the Lord. Another thing I like to do is, uh, and Jesus talked about this, about the cheerful giver. I like to make giving hilarious, cheerful. I like to bless people. That's not my tithe. It's not, that doesn't, that, that's not, the tithe isn't for me to dole out. It's, it, I like to bless people. And there's something that happens inside of my heart. Man, there's a joy, there's a cheerfulness that happens when you're able to bless somebody. Here's where the discernment has to come in. Is it, does every need need, do, do I need to save the elephants this month or do I need to bless somebody who's, you know, in a situation? Do I need to wait until someone tells me, hey, I need 50 bucks? Or do I just, do I pray and say, God, who can I help? And the Lord says, I want you to bless that person. How many times, I, can, I mean, I can't even count how many times God's worked through me to bless somebody, and they're like, you have no idea what that meant. You have no idea what situation. I was like, I, I don't know, have any idea, but if the Lord does. That's why we're, we use discernment. That's why we listen to him and, and be a channel that he can work with. Because what happens is, as people experience that too, they experience the, the, the reality and the power of God. I mean, God knows where I'm at. God knew what I was going through, that he was, he's going to work through you. to, to I mean, Absolutely. That's the God we serve. So I like, to, I like to give habitually. 
make it a habit intentionally. I like, to, to, I like my giving to be hilarious and fun, right? Yeah. What, what, would, what would you see if you looked at the world through generous eyes? Think about that. What would you see if you were able to look at the world through generous eyes? There's enough people looking at the world through selfish, greedy eyes. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. Man, that's one of the problems. But what if we looked at, through, through generous eyes at the world? What would the world look like? How would your life change? You might notice things that other people don't notice. You might see needs that other people don't see. A lot of times we're looking for that obvious need, right? And most of the time, here's what I've learned. Most of the time, it's not real obvious. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit, right? What if you were to say, when the Lord blessed you with, with extra, what if you were, you said, uh, Lord, what, what should I do with this? How would that change your life? I believe that when we start to live like that, then God can entrust more to us. Right? He can trust us. He can work through us. That's what he wants, and that's spiritual growth. Because we're dealing with something inside of our hearts that has the capacity, if we're not careful, to rob the worship, the adoration, the hope, the happiness, the security that we should be getting from the Lord. That stuff has the potential, if we're not careful, to rob us of getting that from the Lord. It robs our relationship. I think when, when we reach that place where we, the first thought that comes to our mind when the Lord blesses us is, God, what, what should I do with this? I believe in that moment, I believe that's when you have a generous eye. Something's changed inside your heart. Something powerful. That's real spiritual growth, isn't it? That is real spiritual growth. Would you stand with me? I grow spiritually when I live generously. Those of you who, who uh, are generous people, you get it, right? It's fun, isn't it? It's fun to give. It's fun to bless others. It's cool to watch God work in our lives and to take care of us. more 
than what anyone can do in 100%. Here's, Here's where I think a lot of problems come when it comes to talking about money and tithing in the church and giving and all that. I think for so long it's been taught. If you have experience in church life, you know, that, that it goes back a ways, you've probably heard different messages like this. A lot of pastors would talk about tithing and they would say, if you give... God will give you even more, right? He'll give you, I mean, you you know, give and you'll get more. Is it true? It really is true. Why is it true? It's because God can trust you. But a lot of people uh, would treat it almost like the lottery. I could buy a dollar ticket and maybe win a million. If I give 10 bucks to the Lord, I could get a hundred back. And what, what it, all that did was feed the greed that's inside your heart, you know? But it was a, it was a, a way to be able to teach, but a dangerous way to teach tithing, in my opinion. That if you give, you'll get. Will you get? Yes, but it's because he trusts you. It's because he trusts you. It's not for your consumption. Another way that they would, we, I'll throw myself in there, uh, pastors would teach on tithing is, is if you don't give, you're under a curse. Does scripture say that? Yeah, it does. I mean, nobody wants to be under a curse. That sounds scary, right? Like, I don't want to be under a curse. And so it's like you give out of guilt, right, and fear. If you're feeling guilt or fear right now from me, that ain't from me. That's that's the enemy. I'm not talking about that stuff. Does God bless us when we give? Absolutely. Does he open the windows of heaven? Absolutely, he does. Again, it's not for our consumption. It's not because, you know, we're afraid we're going to be under a curse. We give because we want to have those generous eyes. We give because we want to put God first. We want to honor him. And when we do, he always trusts us with more. Always. So this morning, I'm, I hope you hear my heart and where I'm coming at this thing a little bit differently, maybe. That God wants to do something in you. He wants to do something inside your heart. And when he does... Man, he could do so much through you. So much through you. Resources are not a problem for him. He's he's got that. He's got everything you need. He just doesn't want the stuff to have you. So let's let's grow. Let's grow spiritually by living generously. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the message of generosity and giving.
and what you want to do inside of our hearts. Lord, this morning, I know that you've blessed us to be a blessing. Lord, I, I just I just feel like there might be some, some guilt that people are feeling or some, some fear that people are feeling or some things that, that are not of you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help them to sort through that and to know that, God, you're leading us into a place in our lives of generosity, a place where we're able to see a need that others may not be able to see. You're able to do through us what only you can do. Lord, we want to grow and we want to be givers. We want to have those eyes of generosity. Lord, help us that when you do bless us, when you do trust us with resources, help us, Lord, to be the uh, our default, to be, Lord, what should we do with this? Lord, what should we do? And who could we bless? Give us the discernment to know what need needs our attention. Lord, I pray for, for unity in our families, that husbands and wives would be on the same page. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really, uh, it's really interesting trying to, to land a plane We've been talking about money and generosity and giving to end it, you know. Uh, but can we worship the Lord? Because that's that's what this is all about. It's our worship. He wants to be your security. He wants to be your hope. And maybe your security and maybe your hope and your happiness migrated away from the Lord. It happens. It subtly happens. You say, you know what? I want my my hope and my security and my happiness to be in the Lord and not the stuff. So the answer is not go sell all your stuff. That's not gonna, it's something that's in here. You make the decision. Lord, I want you to be my hope and you to be my security and you to be my happiness. I want to worship you. Amen. So can we take a moment Amen. this morning and just worship him? Father. worship you. Randy, I need to testify about something real fast. You know, it's crazy. I really felt like something to share, and I, I was going to say something, but you're on it. Go, bro. The Word of God is true. Y'all believe that? For the longest time, I had a hard time giving tithe to the Lord. I lived paycheck to paycheck, and I thought, if I give 10%, how am I going to make it to the next paycheck? Like, I was racking up credit card bills. 
Like I wasn't even making it paycheck to paycheck. And God is good. It's a slow process, but I started getting back into the Word of God. And before I even started coming to church again, I'd, I started giving my parents my tithe to give to their church. Malachi 3, 10 through 12. Bring the whole of the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates in heaven to pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent the pest from devouring the crops, and the vines in your field will not drop the fruit until it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours is the delight of the land, says the Lord Almighty. Test him in this. I had a hard time giving 10%. And <laughs> once that started, the floodgates opened, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a month later, I got a pay raise. And even then, you, you know, you know what made me happy about that pay raise? I had more to give. Yeah. 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 And if the floodgates don't open even more, test him in this. Me, I challenge you. I don't know who this is for, but I challenge you. Test him in this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Wow. Amen. Can we worship him? Lord, you're our hope. You're our security. You're our trust. Nothing else, 
nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. Cause we're caught up in your presence, Father. We just want to sit here at your feet, caught up in this holy moment. We never want to leave. And we're not here for blessing, no. Jesus, you don't know me anything more than anything that you can do we just want you pray that you'd help that person who's trying to process through the things that they heard and the things that you're speaking to them right now and how to how to engage this in their life. I pray that you'd give them wisdom and discernment and courage to step out in faith. And I just pray, Father, for your hand to be on them right now. In Jesus' name.